If you've got the music in you, should you sing? If you've got a new business in you, should you start it? If you've got a creation, an invention, if you've got something to share with the world, should you do it? And I don't like to should on people. (laughs) We should all over ourselves, don't we? But I've got a really important question. Imagine looking back over your life and looking at what you could have, should have, maybe I had that in me, but I didn't do it. And I'm asking with hesitation because what I'm about to ask is one of the most controversial topics in the, probably in the world right now, and it's affecting a lot of people. Why aren't we living our life to the fullest? Why are there so many unhappy people? Why are there so many depressed people? Why is the use of pharmaceutical antidepressants the number one drug in the world? Why are we giving them to our kids? Why have we got unhappy kids? And there's a whole heap of questions there, but my most important question is for you. Do you have something inside you that you want to do that you haven't done yet? And will you do it or will you allow somebody to stop you? And I ask that question every day because people share with me every day, Rowie, I'm excited about doing this. And a lot of people share what they're going to do and they don't do it. And here's something that's become unfortunately very... Uh, has been on the increase and I've been an exercise professional all of my life I've been a business coach and a personal mentor a personal exercise coach and if you've been involved in any of those areas you'll know that people if they trust you and like you and you've built a great relationship they share things with you and what's happened in this in the in a, in a massive increase in the last few years and I've been doing this for a long time Uh, People sharing with me that they are depressed, that they're anxious, that they're scared. And unfortunately, it's become, and I say unfortunately because uh, it seems that the first place people go now is to the doctor. I feel tired, I feel sick, I feel stressed, I feel depressed, and off to the doctor. And the doctor, designed by education, is to make you feel better. That's what doctors do. Isn't that awesome? But unfortunately, and I share again with a negative sound in my voice, that to feel good quickly, uh, drugs are great. <laughs> if you've ever been, and I, I had a, an interesting experience once where I had to have morphine, and I remember thinking to myself as I was under the influence of morphine, I can really understand why some people like to take drugs because it felt amazing. I hated it because I felt completely out of control of my life. But that's my, and that's my one and only experience with that particular pain-killing, mind-altering drug. But I understand that that's a quick fix to whatever's going on. But if you, if you need a quick fix, what about the long fix? What about the happiness and satisfaction and excitement and passion for life? that happens when you are healthy, fit and strong and you're doing what you love and you have great relationships and great experiences. Uh, Is it possible that the quick fix of a drug uh, is affecting our long-term appreciation of a great life? And I share that with you from very personal experience because when I was a personal exercise coach, uh, and this is a very specific number, I was managing a health club, I was teaching 15 classes a week and I had 64 personal coaching sessions every week with 64 individual people. And most of those people were uh, women who had horrible relationships with themselves, which exposed itself through their relationship with food. So I had a lot of clients that were morbidly obese, 
They were anorexic, bulimic, exercise bulimics, depressed, and a combination of all of those at some time in their life. And I had a very unique experience because I built such great relationships with those people. They took me with them or asked me to come with them to the psychiatrist or the psychologist or the neuroscientist or the counsellor. Uh, and often it was to the psychiatrist who was giving them drugs or even to the GP who was suggesting that they take drugs. And I'm a solution finder, and I'm going to ask a very controversial question, but everything about depression, anxiety, mental health has become very controversial, and I get that. But I just have, I'm putting questions out there because I think as human beings, we have the right to ask. If you go to a medical professional for mental health challenges, uh, you may get advice to exercise, get fresh air, uh, aim to get better sleep, eat healthy food, get your body finely tuned. You may get that information. But in my experience with literally thousands of people, that hasn't been the first port of call. The first place that, that the medical profession seems to go when people are not happy is to prescribe a drug. And that might, I might be completely off track, but in my experience of thousands of people, that's what's happened. I'm unhappy, I go to the doctor or the psychiatrist or the psychologist on referral, and I get a drug. So one of the things I would love to ask is this, what if that was the last port of call rather than the first? What if we tried everything else first? Because I get the quick fix, I get we want to get it fixed now. But what if we didn't have to take drugs to get fixed and whatever that means, and I don't even like that word. But one of the cha big challenges I have is every time I went to a medical professional with one of my clients and they were prescribed a mind-altering drug, there was never a mention of the side effects of that mind-altering drug. Never. Now, I presume, and it would be a really good idea, that if you're going to take responsibility for your own health, your own mental health, your own whatever you're going to put into your body, that you would read the, uh, the back of the packet. There's a, there's a great thing. But we know that that doesn't happen because we all every day click off, I agree to the terms and conditions of our phone or our television or our, any of our electrical appliances. We just tick, yeah, I read that. And we didn't really read it. And because somebody's unhappy and, and they don't like the way their life is going and they're looking for a quick fix and there's a box of pills, is it possible that I don't want to read the side effects of the pill, even though it was never shared with me that there were side effects, I just want to feel better. And I want people to not just feel better, I want people to feel energetic and passionate and excited and enthusiastic about life. And that's the reason why I'm an exercise professional, because at 10 years of age, I didn't feel like that. And when I started exercising, and seriously exercising at the age of 13, because that's when I got off the floor and stopped doing silly exercises on the floor, sit-ups and crunches and side leg races and things, I just didn't know any better. But when I started exercising effectively in the upright position, getting puffed, I felt mind altered. There's no doubt about that. I felt high. I felt happy, enthusiastic, passionate. I wanted to live my life in a different way. And interestingly, because I'm now studying neuroscience, I'm studying how the brain works, and I've been studying every single day since my father was diagnosed and died of Alzheimer's, uh, a, a brain rotting disease. 
And I didn't understand why that should happen. I just understood that your bones replace themselves over a period of time, your muscles replace themselves, every cell in your body, your skin, we replace that in a few weeks. That All of the skin on our body uh, rubs off, flakes off, disappears, and we get new skin. I couldn't understand why that didn't happen to the brain. Why can't the brain regrow new brain cells? And I was just told that's not possible. And of course, that's because my father died before 1999 when neurogenesis was officially discovered. Yes, we can grow new brain cells and we have neuroplasticity, which is we can think differently. And the reason this has been such a driving force in my life and the reason I ended up as a personal exercise coach with so many people that were mentally unwell was because I understood because of every... And I'm going to just give you a little side note. I'm involved with psychologists, psychiatrists, particularly neuroscientists now. I have a great circle of influence of people in my life who study the brain. That's all they do. They study the brain. And this is the compliment that I've been given from some of the top neuroscientists in the world. Rowie, you study the brain more than we do. (laughs) Most people don't study seven days a week. I do. I'm committed to learning and I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I love it. I can't. I wake up every day. I can't get enough information about how the brain works because I'm also understanding that the brain and the body work together. And if your brain's working effectively, then your body works better. But I also understand because I'm an exercise professional that when your body's fit and strong, your brain works better. They work together. So I've always been or always had the driving force of let's get people fit, let's get people strong, and then see what happens to their brain. And so many of my clients that had been to 10 years, 15 years, one lady more than 20 years of psychotherapy and psychologists and psychiatrists and mind-altering drugs, when she came and did some serious exercise. I'm not talking about going for a walk. I'm talking about lifting heavy and getting puffed and really putting her body under pressure. And if you understand the brain-body connection, what we were doing was forcing her brain to change. When you put your body under stress, when you put your body under stress with high-intense activity and lifting heavy things, so you're forcing your body into the fight-and-flight system, that's the hormonal system, and that crossovers with the neurotransmitters of the central nervous system. Isn't that exciting? I just say that because, for me, this is such a simple, and I'll pardon the pun, no-brainer. When you lift really heavy, when you get puffed, When you put your body under stress, your body produces all by itself epinephrine, adrenaline, cortisol, the drugs that allow you to exercise really hard. Your body does that for you. Your brain and your adrenal glands work together. Your hormonal system works together so that you can sprint and you can lift heavy. And you don't have to run, sprint, just anything that gets you puffed. So I'm doing this because punching is awesome. A lot of my female clients who never thought that that a martial art or punching or fighting would be good for them because, oh, women don't do that. And so many of them, given the opportunity to fight rather than flight, their brain was their brain changed so quickly. I'm sharing this with you because after, and if you understand how the brain works, you don't have to be a neuroscientist. It's pretty simple. When you overcome a threat, when you run away from the animal, so your body produces epinephrine, adrenaline, cortisol, the catecholamine system opens up every cell in your body, shuts down everything that you don't need, and makes sure that you can get away from the threat or fight the threat. You can do that to yourself. You don't need a wild animal to do that. You don't need a lousy, stinking boss to put you under stress. You can put your own body under stress, get really puffed, lift really heavy. After you've done that, 
Now comes neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. Your brain says, wow, you put us under threat. We've got to get stronger for next time. We've got to get wiser for next time. We've got to be more creative for next time. And your body has to get fitter and stronger for next time, which is why when you lift heavy, you get stronger, which is why when you get puffed, you get fitter, because you're putting your muscles and bones, skeletal and muscular system under pressure. But that's fired by the endocrine system and, and, the, and the, oh, the hormonal system and the central nervous system. So when they're under pressure, that's all about the brain. And the, the interesting thing about the hormonal system, yes, there's the hypothalamus in the brain, but the the whole uh, uh, endocrine system runs through your whole body. So it controls everything to make sure that after you've overcome the threat, you go back to normal. But the beautiful thing about the endocrine system is it's not just normal. Because you've overcome a threat, the body produces this amazing thing called dopamine, a reward transmitter. You feel rewarded. You feel proud of yourself because you overcame the threat. Serotonin is a satisfaction neurotransmitter, so you feel really good. And one of the interesting things that's changed in my lifetime, and again, this is just a side note, uh, antidepressants were often given to people, and certainly to most of my clients, because this was 80s and 90s, because it was suggested that your serotonin levels in your brain are uneven or they don't work, or no one really knew, by the way, and they still don't know. Every neuroscientist that I talk to and every psychiatrist that I talk to still don't quite understand how the serotonin system works. They just, because you can't blood test the brain, you can't, uh, it's not like blood pressure, we can take somebody's blood pressure and say, yes, you've got high blood pressure. Everything about mental health is to do with how people are feeling. And I, I take nothing away from that because if somebody's unhappy, if somebody's miserable, if somebody feels anxious or stressed, that must be horrible. But we can't blood test for that. We don't know. All we know is that there are neurotransmitters. When they wire up your brain, they can see which parts light up at certain times for certain reasons. And the really interesting thing is that when you get really fit, I'll rephrase, when you get really puffed and when you lift really heavy, when you put your body under intense threat, all of those systems fire up. But when you overcome the threat, the dopamine levels in your brain become very high, so you feel rewarded. I overcame the threat. Your serotonin levels, uh, you feel satisfied. Now, that's, again, we can't blood test for that. But people say, after I've exercised, I just feel good. We call it an exercise high. You've probably heard runner's high. What is that? Nobody really knows, except that people who exercise really hard will tell you, I can start an exercise program feeling really crappy or an exercise session feeling really down, depressed, angry, stressed, horrible. And within a very short period of time, I feel fantastic. I feel satisfied. I feel rewarded. But the big part of all of that is brain-derived neurotropic factor, fertilizer for your brain. So not only does it fertilize your current brain cells, it helps grow new brain cells and it helps you create more effective serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, all of those beautiful transmitters that make us feel good. That comes from high intense activity and from lifting heavy or a combination of both, putting your body under stress. When you put your body under stress, and I always love this quote, if you look after your body, it will look after you. So my question is this, if you have in your family, in your life experience, in your own personal experience, any form of depression, anxiety, recommendation to take antidepressants, and that's pretty normal now. There's a billions of prescriptions written every year, billions of prescriptions worldwide for antidepressants. Uh, should we ask some questions first? Uh, we, we, we go to the doctor or we go to an exercise professional, or we go to a lawyer, 
or an architect. And because they have a qualification, we believe what they say. The challenge I've got with that now after 40 years as an exercise professional is I've been caught smack bang in the middle of all of that because there's cardiologists who disagree totally, heart specialists who disagree about blood pressure, about uh, high-density lipoproteins and low-density lipoproteins. They disagree about whether you should be a carnivore or a plant-based diet, and they are of the identical qualification. So literally, cardiologists cardiologists will not only do they disagree but at the complete this end of the scale Uh, endocrinologists are the same exercise physiologists are the same psychiatrists are the same you can put 10 psychiatrists in a room this is a joke that comes usually with exercise people you can put 10 psychiatrists in the room and you'll have 50 different opinions they change their mind all the time and or they're so their views are so opposing One group will say, we really need to get people to exercise. We need them to get fresh air and sunshine and work out what the challenge is rather than give them drugs. Another psychiatrist will say, no, we need to give them drugs, make them feel better, and then perhaps they can sort out their life. Well, that's completely opposing views. And when you're stuck in the middle as a human being, as a general public, as somebody who's got a challenge and you want it sorted, who do you believe? And it seems that we go to the person who gives us what we want to hear. And I know that's very controversial and I'm just going to put that out there. But could it be a really good idea before you put a mind-altering drug into your mouth, before you take advice from any expert, whether it's an exercise professional or a business coach or a lawyer or a doctor or a psychiatrist, doesn't matter. Get a second opinion, get a third opinion, because the opposing opinions just blow my mind. I've been at medical conferences where I've I've had the privilege of speaking at medical conferences about the simplicity of how you can get fit and strong without having to exercise for hours and hours. Sometimes they invite me just for my uh, passion and enthusiasm for life, and sometimes I've been invited simply because there's so much argument going on in the room, they want somebody to talk about something that isn't argumentative. It's one of the medical conferences I was asked to speak at was, Rowie, please come and talk about something that they can't argue about because all they've been doing for the last three days is arguing. And I'm sharing that with you because that's medical professionals of the same qualification, of the same professorship, of the same, they run a, a university or they run a hospital and they argue with each other, opposing, contradicting views about medication, about how to fix a challenge. And I love that. I think argument is awesome. But when you're caught in the middle and you want to feel better, how about what's going to be best for you? If you don't feel happy, if you feel anxious, if you're stressed, do you want to look after your body so your body can look after you? Or do you want to put into your body something that, and all I'm asking is this, please read the side effects, please. And if you're a parent and, you're, and your doctor's suggesting that your child takes any kind of mind-altering drug, any kind of antidepressant, any kind of drug for that matter, should we read not just the side effect that's on the packet? Because unfortunately, the people that produce the drugs, they are required by law to put the side effects on the packet. If you've ever been to America and watched a television ad for pharmaceuticals, they tell you what the drug's good for, and then the ad goes for about two minutes on all the things that all the side effects. And I have to point this out because for me, it's kind of well, to me, this is disrespectfully and irresponsibly ironic that most anti, well, all antidepressants come with a side effect warning that this drug could cause suicide or suicidal tendencies. 
So something that's supposed to make you happy has the side effect of wanting you to be dead or feeling like you want to be dead. I'm sharing that with you because I think that we really need to consider that. Some mind-altering drugs, some antidepressants, if you look, if you dig deeper and you go for the side effects that, came, that actually came from the, the testing of that drug, there are some that have over 400 pages of side effects. And again, I'm sharing that with you. I don't want to scare anybody. I don't, I'm not controversial, as in I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. All I'm asking is please... Whatever you decide to put into your body, and we're adults, we can do whatever we bloody well want, and we do, don't we? Adults smoke and drink and take all sorts of pharmaceuticals, whether they're recreational or prescribed. We can do whatever we want. You, It's your body. You can put into your body whatever you want to. I always ask, though, for our kids. I would like our kids to be healthy, fit, and strong, and happy, and get fresh air and sunshine and exercise and eat healthy food and not have to take any drugs. How about you? Uh, we're, we are diagnosing a lot of kids now with all sorts of syndromes and diseases and mental health challenges. And could it be a good idea, would it be a good idea to get a second opinion or a third opinion or a fifth opinion? If your psychiatrist says this, your child has this, would it be a good idea to just get another opinion? Because what if your child doesn't have that? And again, I'm going to give you a very interesting, uh, and you can look it up yourself, of course, uh, because I'm an exercise professional who studies and, and educates myself every day, one of the things that comes into my life every year is a list of causes of death. So from every country in the world and in the overall view of what people die of every year and also the number of people that die. It's interesting to watch that number. And always on the list of, in, it's always in the top 10, it changes positions, but always in the top 10, the reasons people die in the world is medical malpractice or medical mistake. So a doctor told you, take this and it killed you. Or a doctor said, we think you've got this and you didn't. Or a doctor thought you were somebody else, so they gave you the drugs for somebody else and you died. Uh, this is quite normal. I know you don't see that on the news, but if you if you go looking for what we're dying of, how we can, and I don't like to, <laughs> I'll rephrase that. I don't want to know what we're dying of. I want to make sure that we can, I'm a solution finder. I want to find out what we are dying of so we can prevent it, so that we can live a happy, passionate, excited, enthusiastic life every single day. Wouldn't it be nice to wake up every day excited about getting up, excited to go to sleep so that when you get up, you want to go and do again what you're excited about? And I'm just, I, I will share with you, I can't, I'm just, I'm being as open as I can. It makes me sad. How many people share with me on a day-to-day -day basis? Every day, somebody says to me, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm on antidepressants, I hate my life, I tried to commit suicide, I've got somebody in my life who tried to commit suicide. Mental health has become a serious challenge. But physical health is a serious challenge too. And we have a prevention and cure for at least 80%, if not much, much more, of the major challenges physically with the human body. Is it possible, and the research agrees, that when you've got a healthy, fit, strong body, you've got a healthy, fit, strong brain? And if you've got a healthy, fit, strong brain, driving a healthy, fit, strong body, everything works together. So here's my very special, it's a request, and I'm, I, lately I feel like I'm begging. If you want to live your life in a passionate, excited, enthusiastic way, if you've got music in you and you want to sing, you should sing. If you've got dancing in you, if you've got engineering in you, if you've got being a doctor in you, 
If you want to change the world and make the world a better place, if you've got that in you, please don't let somebody steal your dream and please don't let somebody tell you that you're sick uh, if you're not sick. So if somebody says you're sick, you've got this thing, please get a second opinion. Please find out what that thing actually is. Ask the question, why did I get it? How can I get rid of it? How can I prevent it from coming back? If I have to take this drug, what's the side effect of a side effects of this drug? And just again, as an interesting side note, all drugs have side effects, all of them. And often what happens is you'll get another drug and another drug and another drug to uh, help with the side effects of that particular drug. And you end up with this big concoction. Uh, and unfortunately, again, I've got business colleagues uh, who own pharmacies, chemists. And when I see the number of drugs that go out to people, not just one packet, they go out in a tray and it's a list of, this is what you have to take several times throughout the day and it's multiple, multiple numbers of pills because this drug affects that drug, affects this drug and the side effect of that has to, you have to take this drug. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for our kids. I certainly don't have to have that in my life because I'm healthy, fit and strong. And I'm an old lady now, so I've got the right to say that. I've lived my life drug-free. That one time I took morphine, I had no control over that because that was an ambulance situation. I'm sharing that with you because I would love you to be healthy, fit and strong in the best way possible. And if you are, if, if somebody says you need to take this thing, whether it's food, exercise plan, drugs, whatever it is, could it be a really good idea to give it some thought, whatever you put into your body? And again, I'll share, you're an adult, you can do whatever you bloody well want. But what about our kids? Don't they deserve to have a healthy, fit, strong life, living passionately, enthusiastically and excited about getting up every day and happy? Wouldn't it be nice if our kids could grow up happy? Could that be a good idea? My name's Rowie. Thank you for coming to Romax and may you be living your life to the max. Because if you've got the music in you, you should sing. Sing loud if you've got the music in you. Woohoo!